Welcome to NFL Live. So much to get to. Here's a little preview. Saquon Barkley says he's unsure that he and the Giants will get a new deal done before that July 17th deadline. Could that mean a holdout? Wait to hear our discussion on the running back market. You know this guy, DeAndre Hopkins, visiting the Titans right now. He's headed up to New England later on this week. Hear what Bill Belichick had to say in a way that only Bill Belichick can say it, live from Patriots minicamp in just a bit. Plus, the Jaguars joining the Patriots started their mandatory minicamp today. 19 more teams in action tomorrow. We'll tell you why you should be watching Ravens and the Packers. Dan Orlovsky right here in studio. You love to see it, don't you? Mina Kimes there on the left, Jeff Darlington on the right. We're going to have Marcus Spears in just a little bit. Uh, you don't think we need him? Uh, All right. I think we do, but Dan might disagree. The start of a busy week is underway in New England. We told you that Patri Patriots' mandatory minicamp began this morning, and the team is set to host free agent wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins later this week. Here is Bill Belichick. Is the plan for him to, to be here this well, week? We're working through it, so I don't really have anything to add to that. I didn't know if the uncertainty was on his end or on your end, whether or not you wanted to have no, I think it relates more to the logistics and things like that. So I'm not really a travel agent here. I'm not going to say it's going to happen here or not going to happen or whatever. There's a lot of other stuff going on. Vintage Bill Belichick. For more on the Patriots and DeAndre Hopkins, nobody better than Mike Reese, who has covered the Patriots for so long. He knows all things Bill Belichick. And, Mike, we have now learned that he is not a doctor. He's not a weatherman. We can add travel agent to the list of things that Bill Belichick is not. You were there today. What did you take away from his press conference, Mike? Field, I would say that was actually Bill Belichick having some fun with it. He was in a good mood today in that media workroom, which isn't always the case. And speaking of having some fun, I want to tell you something I, I see out on the field being at Patriots practice. Mac Jones is having a lot of fun. He talked after practice about how much he's enjoying being part of Bill O'Brien's new offense, and he even entertained a question himself on DeAndre Hopkins. I think that's definitely a hypothetical, but I think DeAndre is a great player. I mean, you watch this film from, you know, college all the way through the NFL. He's done a great job. So, obviously, we'd love to have him, but we, we do have a great group of guys, and um, we just know that we want to win, and I know that all the guys feel the same way, but I've been really pleased with the playmakers that we have on our team. Um, we have a good group, and uh, definitely feel like we just need to keep growing together, and whoever's in that room, we're going to try and dominate together. Field, I want to leave you with one X's and O's nugget. I've seen four Patriots practices this spring. A lot of two tight ends with Hunter Henry and Mike Gusecki. Gusecki in particular, the new addition, catching a lot of passes from Mac today. Mike, back to the old days, it sounds like, for New England. Bill O'Brien is back. The two tight end sets are back. And, of course, when we're talking Patriots, Mike Reese is always there. Mike, great to talk to you. We'll do it again soon. All right, Mina, let's talk about the fit for DeAndre Hopkins, the hypothetical, yeah. to borrow a word, from Mac Jones' fit for D-Hop. Does it make sense in New Orleans? <laughs> it makes a ton of sense, Field. First, I'd like to say, Bill Belichick obviously, characteristically, said nothing there yeah. about DeAndre Hopkins. <laughs> but if you go look up Bill Belichick's <laughs> mic up, talking to DeAndre Hopkins about how much he respects a game, you will quickly understand. You will not see, honestly, a bigger fan of a player than Bill Belichick talking about DeAndre Hopkins. So much respect and admiration there. Um, as far as the utility he brings to the Patriots offense, look, he, he's not the number one wide receiver, win outside, go get you a bucket downfield guy anymore, which of course is something still missing in this offense. But I think he brings skills that are really fundamental to what the Patriots 
want to do this year. He can still win underneath. I see him being a weapon in what I hope to be a uh, prolific RPO game. He can win over the middle of the field, which is something I think we'll see a mm. lot more of with Bill O'Brien. And on the outside, especially short and intermediate hitches, that kind of thing, comebacks, he can still win contested catches as is his signature. So is he a total game changer? Maybe not. But he certainly helps the Patriots offense creep back towards average which I've said is all they need to be to be competitive with that defense. MK, you bring up the RPO. That's kind of where I think the impact for DeAndre in New England would be the biggest. I don't think that New England has anybody on their offense that they don't have to scheme open. Everybody else, they got to try to find a way to scheme open. Hmm. Hop, you don't. Hop is not this guy that you got to try to figure out. You just want to create one-on-ones for him. And that's when the growth would be coming back for Mac Jones. And, and that's where the most important part of this conversation turns to. Mac has got to get his confidence back. He only gets his confidence back if he has somebody on the outside that's reliable, that he believes in, that he trusts in. Yeah. And that, then he goes from like this um, somewhat hesitant player to now being this rookie, I know where to go with the football. I remember saying this about Mac. He, he was the best, where do I throw it, when do I throw it, how do I throw it, quarterback rookie-wise that I had seen in a long time. Hop brings that because of the reliability mm. that he has with, oh, he's, I don't care the defender's close. I'm just going to throw it somewhere and he'll go catch it. That's why I think that the move to New England makes so much sense for both parties. Yeah, I agree with both of y'all, and we can lament about DeAndre Hopkins' impact. Whatever team he showed up to, he's going to make a positive impact. Now, and to your point, Mina, he may not be – that same guy that we watched in Houston. But I think just the impact at the top of routes and the the off-schedule things that he can do, his hands are still enormous and great, as good as anybody in this league as well. So mm-hmm. I think you, you're just happy with him being in the building. But to me, from a D-hop perspective, this doesn't make you a Super Bowl contender. And I was trying to figure out if it was going to be the money push for DeAndre Hopkins or if it was going to be trying to get to a team where you could now potentially be carried by a quarterback and the weapons around you, and you just go fit into a situation where you have a legitimate chance at winning a title. So now, to me, it seems with these visits in in Tennessee and Mm -hmm. the visit in New England, I don't think these are Super Bowl contending teams adding DeAndre Hopkins, so that may not be his priority. But they're not – they're playoff teams. Like, New England has a chance to be a playoff team with DeAndre Hopkins. They, they, they are not a playoff team without him. So, if you're saying Dan, if I'm – Dan, what, but what's the point? What, but what's the point of DeAndre Hopkins being a playoff contender at this point in his career? Like, think about I'm, – I'm talking about his opportunity right now as a free agent to go somewhere and play. And you would choose a playoff potential team or a playoff contender. Well, That's my point. Like, I don't want to sit here and go back and forth with you about DeAndre Hopkins' intentions and what he should do. You make as much money as you possibly can make in the window you play in the NFL. Mm. It just, to me, signals his top priority as opposed to yes, going to somewhere where you that. know that you're a legitimized Super Bowl contender. Well, uh, of course, everybody wants to go play for the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. No, no question. But if we're looking at the teams that realistically can try to afford him and also allow him to be a competitive number one receiver, it is New England at the top of the list. Baltimore is in that conversation. It should be Detroit. 
but it's not always going to be. My thing is this. If Hop wants to go play with a good, competent quarterback, still be a number one receiver, get paid X amount of dollars, and play for a team that has a potential playoff contending football team, New England checks most of the boxes. And while, I will say, while DeAndre Hopkins is starting to age, that's a big part of the reason why he is now a free agent, there's still probably an opportunity. If he signs a multi-year, two-year deal, hypothetically, with one of the two teams that he has or will be visiting, there's still that chance to go chase that ring a little bit later on in his career. Let's get Jeff Darlington oh, in come here. on, man. No, man. No, go ahead, Jeff. I know Jeff got to go. Oh, okay. Go I, ahead, man. You, I think there is. Let's talk DeAndre about Hopkins is not winning a Super Bowl in the next two years with New Hold England. On. No, no, that was, no, I think you misunderstood me, Swaggy. Well, yeah. I said We're not if, about to do no, that. No, no, I, I think you misunderstood what I said. Oh. I said over the next two years – he could go play with one of those teams and still have enough juice in two years to go chase that ring somewhere if that's what he wants. Like, oh, he's not he done. Leave. Yeah, oh, he could be okay. 32 you, and go ring face. chasing rather than bypassing this great payday. Yeah, so I got you. Uh, it's okay. Phil, yeah. yes, apologies. Yeah, so uh, Jeff, I'll ask yeah. you uh, just about I know one of the dynamics that is in play here if DeAndre Hopkins were to sign with the Patriots is the relationship that he has with Bill O'Brien yeah. and then the relationship he could have with Tim Kelly in Tennessee. Tell us more about that. Oh, yeah. Well, Bill O'Brien, it's like, other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how is the show? Like, we're talking about boxes to check off. His relationship with Bill O'Brien was not good when he was in Houston. In fact, after he left, he said, we had zero relationship at all. Bill O'Brien, now the offensive coordinator with the New England Patriots. So I'm not here to suggest that their relationship couldn't now be mended. I'm not here to even say that maybe those guys, like if we look at it, you know, rationally from a human element, maybe those guys after the past couple of years have realized that maybe they were pretty good for each other. But what I will say is it is certainly an interesting dynamic to watch, especially when he's visiting the Tennessee Titans right now. Tim Kelly is their offensive coordinator in Tennessee. I'm told that Hopkins has a very good relationship with Kelly from their time together in Houston. So again, to Swaggy's point about what's he chasing here, being a contender, is he chasing the money? Is he going to think about relationships? There's a lot of factors in play, and relationships certainly plays a big part in the potential here between the, the Patriots and the Titans. All right, Swaggy, I want to give you the final word here because sometimes a picture is worth a thousand words, and we are witnessing that in this moment. <laughs> Guys, you know me. I'm not going to be nuanced. DeAndre Hopkins looking for the biggest contract. With these two organizations. Yeah. Man, you mentioned Baltimore. If he was going to Baltimore, we would not be having this conversation. Or if he was visiting Baltimore. That's a legitimate chance to win a Super Bowl if DeAndre Hopkins joined that team. Mm -hmm. But the New England Patriots and the Tennessee Titans, he's going for the money. Yeah. Yeah. Again, maybe a couple of years from now he can go chase that ring. We could do an entire hour on I DeAndre Hopkins, it would Next see. Yeah, hey. Next segment. Uh, no, we, we might come back with more DeAndre Hopkins later Next on in the segment. show. As we're just getting started here on NFL Live. You think about some of those top wide receiver and quarterback why. connections. Allen to Diggs, Hurts to Brown, Burrow to Chase. Dan Orlovsky tells us the next big quarterback wide receiver combo coming to your screens this fall. Plus, still no long-term deal for Saquon Barkley in New York. Does the league undervalue the running back position? Not everyone here agrees on it. We get into that. Next, Spice. NFL Live is brought to you by FX's The Bear. All episodes streaming June 22nd only on Hulu. I can't wait.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. The NBA Finals head back to Denver for Game 5 tonight at 8 Eastern on ABC, ESPN Deportes, ESPN Plus, and ESPN Radio. Nicole Jokic and the Nuggets lead the series three games to one. They can clinch their first ever NBA title with a win tonight. Coverage tips with NBA Countdown at 7.30 on ESPN and continues at 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific on ABC. Congrats to Mike Breen, game number 100 in the NBA Finals for the voice of the NBA. All right, back on NFL Live, and someone might have some explaining to do because this weekend a man in Texas ate a 72-ounce steak in 6 minutes and 28 seconds at Big Texan Steak Ranch, the second fastest time in Big Texan history. Swaggy, what were you doing this weekend, my man? That man got the meat sweats. You impressed? (laughs) That man, (laughs) hey man, I wasn't doing that. You gotta actually be in shape to eat Look that like much. It. That's the biggest, the biggest thing that people don't know. You actually, in order to be able to eat that much, you gotta be in shape. The I bet Dan needs more than me. Yeah, the cook for reaction just absolutely crushed it. Look me like right you now. ate that steak. Oh, come on now. Come on. By the way, Joey Chestnut is on line one saying, we like, go. I see you. You look like you Six ate that dry ass chicken. <laughs> come on now. We'll be talking about football. I guess we will. Uh, should we go to Jacksonville? All right, all right. The Jaguars all right, all right. kicked off their mandatory minicamp today as the team looks to build off its incredible turnaround season in 2022. Head coach Doug Peterson was asked about wide receiver Calvin Ridley earlier today. You know, he's he's kind of been up and down as far as, you know, medically a little bit this offseason and, and, and nursing a few things. And the respect I have for Calvin is just – the communication that he's had with us and us with him, and I, I make that a point. He, he's excited to be here, you know. Uh, he, he now now lives in in Jacksonville, Florida, so uh, it's good to see him here as well. I don't know, maybe this sounds like obvious and redundant, but I still love how under the radar this move was by the Jaguars last year, Dan, getting at the deadline for a pretty modest price given his production. How can he change the offense in Jacksonville? Well, become Stephon Diggs, become Jamar Chase, mm. become A.J. Brown for their quarterback. I'll go back to last year with Trevor Lawrence. The number one goal for Doug Peterson and his staff was to rebuild his psyche after that initial rookie year with Urban Meyer. Yeah. Think about some of the games he took over last year, okay. right? The, the Dallas game, yep. like late in the season, the second half of the playoff took over, driving against Kansas City to, before the fumble in the playoffs. What Calvin Ridley does is it now puts Trevor Lawrence into attack mode. And what do we know about Doug Peterson? He's an attacking coach, yeah. right? aggressive coach. So you rebuilt the young man. Now Calvin Ridley gives him a guy that is that bona fide number one. Trevor Lawrence and the talent 
now can become attack mode quarterback, and that marries perfectly with Doug Peterson. I mean, I feel like loaded is an appropriate term for this offense. What about the defense? What needs to improve there? Hmm. Yeah, for me, the number one thing is they got to get after the quarterback. Uh, this defensive front was really fun to watch last year. Uh, Mike Caldwell's defensive coordinator, some of the more creative and interesting pressure designs in football. Uh, but they only sacked QBs uh, at a rate that was 28th in the NFL. Now, they rank top 10 in some of the other underlying metrics, pass rush win, our metric, pressure rate, which bodes well for their sack rate this year. But they need those negative plays, in part because this defense is largely running it back. I do have some concerns about coverage. I think there's some holes in the secondary. But if they can create negative plays, sack the quarterback, I think that'll go a long way towards improving on that side of the ball. Mina, you said this a few weeks ago. Uh, it's, it's about Trayvon Walker. Mm. Josh Allen is going to do his job. I think Josh Allen has ascended into a player where you can at least – depend on him creating a lot of pressure and getting to the quarterback. Now you have to get the first overall pick to play at a very high level. We saw the impact that Aiden Hutchinson had on that uh, Detroit Lions front and how much it changed the way that they played down the stretch. I go back to the Green Bay game. Some of those interceptions that were thrown by Aaron Rodgers were pressure situations with these guys getting after the passer. This is going to be, to Dan's point, this is going to be a high-powered, prolific offense now. Yeah. They gonna, they gonna have, people are gonna have their hands full with the Jacksonville Jaguars offense. Week in and week out with Trevor Lawrence continuing to ascend. The defense will be the microscope. It'll be under these guys and they have to decide if they will be a high pressure team that get out of the quarterback or they will be a turnover driven team. Because in the AFC, it's going to have to be one of those two things. You ain't going to methodically play defense in that conference next year. You're going to have to be really good at one of those two. Hey, Swaggo, I know we're tight for time, but I want to ask you quick. Uh, as a player, how mindful do you think Trayvon Walker is of what Aiden Hutchinson did right out of the gates last year? I mean, oh, he, he was the guy, right? He was supposed to be the number one pick, and then it being Trayvon Walker. Mm. you think that's in your mind as a guy that was drafted where he should have gone yeah. instead? Most, most definitely. Mina and Dan knows that. Most def You look across the league anyway, but to look across the guy that went after you and had a better year, he should take it personal. Yeah, yeah it would be interesting to see if he uses that as motivation, how's that bounce through our breakthrough season this year. Oftentimes, we do see that biggest leap of a player's career from year one to year two. All right, much more ahead here on NFL Live. As Saquon Barkley and the Giants are in a deadlock over contract talks, we break down the running back market to decide just how much value Saquon provides don't miss it. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, 
legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. I love vocal by I want to show John. I'm not the guy that the draft is still here. Saquon bounces outside. Shoots him in at the 40. Barkley's in for the touchdown. Saquon Barkley is going to get the franchise tag, and he's not going to be happy. Obviously, we know Saquon is not going to be here uh, based on his contract situation. He's been a very important part of what we've done. You know, I hope hope they can get something done. I would love to be a giant for life. After securing a long-term contract for quarterback Daniel Jones, the Giants used the franchise tag on running back Saquon Barkley. That leaves them just over a month to potentially finalize a long-term extension, but little progress appears to be made. At his youth camp yesterday, Barkley shed some light on where things are at right now. I came out and said that I want to be a Giant for life. I came out and said that uh, I'm not trying to reset the running back market. So, you know, for those reports to come out and try to make me look like um, greedy or whatever. Uh, I just, that's not even close to being the truth, but it is what it is. Would you play on the tag? You got to July 17th, right? So um, I guess I would make those decisions or start thinking about that when July 17th comes. All right, Jeff, so what more can you tell us about where things stand with Saquon yeah. and the Giants? Well, quite honestly, Field, that's exactly the sentiment I get when I talk to people inside the building within the Giants organization, that there is no real update or necessarily progress at this point, but it is a scenario where you have until July 17th. That's about as honest of a sentiment as you can get from a player who's going through this right now, that basically after July 17th, if they don't reach a long-term deal, the negotiations do end. And at that point, it really gets tricky. Saquon has to decide whether he's going to report and play under that franchise tag tender or if he's going to hold out, a la Le'Veon Bell several years ago. We know how that ultimately worked out for Bell, and I think by most regards, people would say it wasn't a good move. It did not work out yeah. good. We don't have much more precedent than that. Otherwise, he could report, play, and next year the Giants would have to decide whether to tag him again or, in fact, him become a free agent. Always hard to figure out these running back contracts, but a little bit of context on how Saquon Barkley performed last year. As he was fourth in the NFL in rushing last season, and he's part of a group of running backs that's facing some uncertainty going forward. He and Josh Jacobs were both given the franchise tag. Miles Sanders left the Eagles in free agency after he had the fifth most rushing yards in the league. And of course, Dalvin Cook was just released by the Vikings. Take a look at the rushing leaders from last season and where they stand right now. All right, so Dan, this is actually this is a, a spirited conversation we had in our pre-show meeting. This should be even better right now. How do you come to a conclusion if you are the Giants trying to find a solution for Saquon Barkley? Well, they have to answer the question, do they think he's more Nick Chubb or Christian McCaffrey? Okay. Because Chubb's salary is pretty equivalent to what the top back as far as production is. Yep. McCaffrey makes more than George Kittle and, and Travis Kelsey yeah, yeah. because he's not a true back. He's right. utilized differently. So the Giants are the and Joe Shane, their general manager, and Brian Dable, they have to figure that out. I know this about the, the, the Giants with Saquon Barkley. They're a playoff team with them. They are not a playoff team without him. He, Daniel Jones has like 1,100 completions in his career. His career. Yeah. Saquon accounts for 25% of them. He's their tailback. Yeah. So that's the reality of their offense. They ran their offense through Saquon last year. But if they're going to pay him $16 million a year, they got to use him like Christian McCaffrey's used in San Francisco or Kamara's used in New Orleans. If not, then he falls somewhere closer to that 12 or 13 that Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb make. 
Yeah, it's really tricky because I think you brought up those three names, McCaffrey, Chubb, and then of course Saquon, who we're talking about. And the reality is Saquon is less efficient as a back than Nick Chubb, but he's more versatile. However, I don't think he's as much of a threat as a pass catcher as Christian McCaffrey. So he's weirdly kind of in between them. Yeah. Like Christian McCaffrey ranked first in the NFL amongst all running backs in yards per route run. Saquon, a pretty distant ninth. Now, some of that is scheme and all the defenses, you know, not expecting the, the Giants to throw downfield for sure. But I do think Christian McCaffrey is a very unique running back, which makes him a difficult comp. The reality is running back contracts have stabilized and gone down in large part because teams know they can get similar production from guys on rookie contracts. Field, you put up the rushing leaders, but if you look at yards per carry of yeah. the top 12 backs, eight were on rookie contracts eight. last season. Um, so for the, the Giants, while they need Saquon now, and I think that affects, that gives him some leverage because this is the team that needs him. He's good for, you know, they, he fits in well with their offense. They also don't want to commit resources to him for the long term, knowing that they're likely to get more production cheaper later. Mar Marcus, real quick before you jump in. The second thing, or the last thing I'd say is this, is there's only one team in the last five seasons that has given top ten money to the quarterback position, a defensive tackle, and a tailback. That's the Tennessee Titans. It's mm. hard to do. Yeah. The Giants have already paid Daniel Jones top ten and Dexter Lawrence. They also have the most expensive tight end in football in Darren Waller. There's, there's a lot of money. There's only so much left over for Saquon. <laughs> Really quick, the Henry contract was quite uh, reasonable, too. It was really uh, just a two-year deal. The average came in lower than people expected. I think if they were to arrive at something like that with Saquon, it would be fair. All right, Twagoo. Yeah, I think he'll get a deal. I think it's just about the necessity and what you feel like he brings to your offense. And I think Saquon is just he, – he's more than a running back to the Giants. And if it's another particular team out there potentially – uh, that he would be more of a running back too. But outside of that, we know what the market is saying about running backs. But in this particular situation, I think he does do enough uh, in order for you to try to couch him in a different light and potentially the Giants get this done. But if not, I'll see how it plays out. So, Dan, I also was thinking about this. As you guys were talking about, like, these running backs that offer some versatility, I was just thinking about yet another running back. As far as veteran contracts are concerned, no player was a better bargain in football last year than Austin Eckler. For running backs, for running backs, right? Okay. And he had to scratch and claw this offseason, including requesting a trade, yeah. to get the opportunity to make $1.75 million more to basically replicate last year's You're success. You're talking about the like, value of a running back. Yeah, so, but, and I, I think it's, it's interesting now is that, like, even the guys that are as versatile as Austin Eckler are having a hard time. Like, the league seems to just be gravitating towards a different approach when it comes to running backs. Well, I, I think – the reality is, been. outside of quarterback, the, ye the league trends to, I want younger and cheaper, no matter the position, nine out of ten times. Yeah. Okay, so I think we have to stop saying, well, the league doesn't value backs. That's incorrect. Okay. The, the league values backs at a different age, more so than any other position. The best yeah. value for a running back is their first contract. Yeah. That is und undisputable. Indisputable. Like, the best value for a tight end is usually when they get into their second and third contract. Mm. Mina just pointed out, Eight of the top 12 rushers were rookies. The, the other four are four of the top five paid guys at the position. Is that right? So it's yeah. just that we have to define undervalued. And, and I, if, if we look at, like, the top 10 yeah. running back salaries, 
they're not that different than the top 10 tight end salaries. The best value mm. for a back in, in, in their contract is when you take them first, those first four or five years, and it's just because and they're age more so than the position. I've said this before. I almost wish running backs weren't subject to the rookie wage scale because they're the position who are hurt the most by it because teams are aware of what Dan just said, which is they're able to get similar production from players on these cost-controlled contracts, right? I mean, running backs age tends, or their production tends to peak when they're 26 years old, I believe. So by the time they actually have the chance to hit free agency, they're already at past their peak. So you can't undo reality and you can't change the dynamics of when these backs are efficient. To me, it would have to be some sort of structural change to undo some of these trends and how they're paid. Yeah, and I think in the long run, like it's individual um, positioning, right? Like if your team is heavy use of what you do, your skill set outside of just handing the football off. And I don't think uh, running backs are going to get paid to your point, Dan, when quarter when, when you have a quarterback that is going to be making 200 plus million dollars. Yeah. Teams are not going to value that. So I think it's a particular situation. You almost got to hit it at the right time and be in the perfect situation to get paid. Yeah, we talk often about players maybe were born in the wrong era, and it's like their skill set would have been highlighted more or is highlighted more today than it would have been 20 years ago for running backs. It's the opposite. I remember right. the Marshall the Falk days yeah. and Edger and James and guys who are going fourth overall and justified for much of their career. Perhaps running backs need to turn back the clock if they can find a way to do so. Uh, coming up next here on NFL Live, as the Packers prepare for mandatory minicamp, all eyes are on Jordan Love. Just how different will that Green Bay offense look with a new quarterback at the helm? And how about this big reveal from the Cleveland Browns? They have a new logo. Take it. Take a peek right there. Thoughts, Dano? You park your way through it. I'm cool with this. What do you think? Uh, <laughs> what was that bark for? Bark parlance for? I'm all right with it. Dog pound. Yeah, that was all right. <laughs> This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, it's Monday, NFL offseason, so naturally let's talk golf. And what on earth happened Sunday afternoon that led to this tackle on the 18th green? Here's the expository. We head to the RBC Canadian Open fourth playoff hole local. Canadian Nick Taylor sinks the 72-foot eagle putt to win the tournament, walk-off style, as he celebrates ah! on the green. Tour professional Adam Hadwin tries to come out and celebrate with his fellow Canadian and was abruptly tackled by security. All right, Dan, are there any teams out there looking for a linebacker? Uh, I mean, this this is this tackle this is significantly better than any tackle Marcus Pierce has made in his career, <laughs> let alone the NFL. So, naturally, me being a nerd, I have to break it down. I want everyone's and a golfer, eyes, by the way. eyes to start right here on the security guy. So, Taylor just made the bomb of a putt, okay? Now, Marcus... I've talked to you so many. Look at the vision right now. My man right now is completely, he looks like. Uh, um, Locked in. 
like tr someone trying to scope out the scene. You know, like, all right, what, what's going on right now? Denzel Washington in yeah. training day. Now, what's going to happen is he's going to see Hadwin coming in. Hadwin's going to come in from the right side of the screen right here. You're going to see, like, this is like a scrape over the top into the B gap right now. Watch how good this is. My man's lost. Right there, he's Denver lost White. behind. Scrape, scrape, scrape. Look at the, look at the, this is so good. Look at the left arm come over the top to get in between, tight on the tug, and then, what? Ah! Now, for offensive people, we often get told, like, never jump. Never jump, because once you get, once you jump, you got a chance to get, oop, you got a chance to get caught. He jumped, he got caught, he got pounded to the ground. And then the screen went white. But the second thing is, if you catch the back end of it, the caddies, the caddy and Nick Taylor both felt so bad for Hadwin. They were like, no, 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 not our guy. So phenomenal job by the security guy of scraping over the, watch the eyes. Yeah, oh, there's a scrape, scrape. Now watch the caddy and the player realize like, oh man, this isn't good. Watch the caddy go oh running God. for him like, yo, 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 hey. Congrats. Too bad. Hey, Nick Taylor, by the way, big football fan. Hopefully he is better, watching you right now. You better notify somebody when you're doing that. Yeah, yeah. That is uh -huh. impressive right there. I guess we'll talk more football here. Let's get back Excellent. to mini camps. Patriots and Jags have already started their mini mandatory mini camp today. 19 other teams join them tomorrow. Time for some quick reads. One storyline you're interested in watching this weekend. You are up first. Uh, uh, well, Bryce Young in Carolina. Now he's the starting quarterback. How much are they throwing at him? Uh, how much of their playbook are they actually trying, not only schematically, but some of the stuff that you see right here, like putting him under center and challenging what he's capable of? Because what he's capable of, what the offense is capable of, and then are they starting to have some of these conversations about, hey, Bryce, this is how we're going to try to protect you, that you have to try to learn to protect yourself because that statured frame is what it is. So we are all pretty optimistic about the Falcons' offense here at NFL Live. The question mark is second-year quarterback Desmond Ritter. I'm curious about two things. His accuracy throwing over the middle of the field because those windows will be there with that run game off of play action. And then I also want to see how athletic he looks um, because he does have ability as a designed runner. I think he can bring a lot to the option game. So I'll be curious to see if he comes into camp ready to use his legs. Yeah, and when I think about Green Bay and Jordan Love, I'm not ready to write the Packers off. And I know the Detroit Lions and the Minnesota Vikings are the darling of this conference, but Jordan Love has been in this system. He understands it. It's still a team that can run the football very effectively, which helps quarterbacks when they first get started. And we saw the ascension of Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs and some moves that the Packers have made. This is a really talented roster. It's a lot based on how Jordan Love plays, but I'm not going to write Green Bay off in this division just yeah. yet as the other two teams uh, have them runaways. Yeah, the, the, one of the great mysteries in the entire NFL is what is Jordan Love? And, Dan, besides the quarterback, how do you think this Packers offense will be different this year? I think you'll see him under center way more than okay. Rodgers was under yeah. center last year. I think they'll get back to way more pre-snap motion that we saw during the two MVP seasons. Mm. I think we'll see a lot more play-action pass. We talked about that last year, how they went away from it. That was a little bit attached to the injury with the thumb. And I think we'll see the quarterback move a lot more on purpose after yep. the snap. And I think that's going to be the biggest thing. Now, it's not necessarily the offense is going to be better, but I do believe it's going to look and just feel different and younger and fresher because of the, some of the things that Matt LaFleur, their play caller, can get back to doing that maybe they just didn't want to and or were capable last year with Aaron. 
Yeah, part of the reason why I'm optimistic about the Packers' offense is because, Dan, what you're describing, basically tailoring the offense to the skills of the quarterback, is something Matt LaFleur did in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. Right. We forget when he came from the Rams, he changed his offense to suit Aaron Rodgers' skill set. More gun, right? More mm -hmm. tempo. Using more RPOs as a way to create space for the run game uh, instead of what we saw with the Rams, which is more that under center play action motion stuff. So with you introduce this idea of, okay, you have a new quarterback with different skills, he's young. I have confidence in the head coach and play caller because he is proven when it comes to adapting an offense, and that is not something that should be taken for granted in the NFL. You know, Dan, to, to piggyback something you said, when you trade away a legend, you kind of have two options. You can feel bad for yourself, or right. you can use it to sort of energize you. No one's saying the Packers are going to be better this year without Aaron Rodgers, but different, and different can be energizing in some impactful ways. Still to come here on NFL Live, OBJ and Zay Flowers may be the biggest names added in Baltimore this year, but is it their new offensive coordinator that will have the biggest impact? Hear why Dan and Mina think a new look offense can elevate Lamar's game to yet another level. Here's our next UFC Fight Night Saturday from Las Vegas with our middleweight main event between third-ranked Marvin Vittori and fourth-ranked Jared Cannonier. The prelims start at 7 Eastern on ESPN2, followed by the main card at 10 Eastern on ESPN and ESPN+. Plus. Take you behind the scenes here for a second. This is courtesy of Mina, where every workplace has that one guy who has his camera on presumes. <laughs> Here's ours taking batting practice. That guy being you, Dan Orlovsky. Uh, Getting some swings in, huh? <laughs> I hate you. Why? Come on. You're doing it. Be honest. Why do you, why do you, you leave it weird. on? Is it because so you don't weird. know how to turn it off? I know how to turn the Be camera honest. off. I know you how to turn always the camera off. It it's the bottom left thing, and you click Ooh. it, and you hit the red line. You always do have your screen. I because I like, I'm a beautiful it. person, it's, man. You are. It's, it's, it's By the way, that swing, though. Yeah, damn. Look at that swing, though, Marcus. No comment. No comment. Time for On Trend, segment where I present a trend from the 2022 NFL season. Our analysts tell us if it's going to continue this fall. We'll start in New York, where Aaron Rodgers is reunited with offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett on the Jets. The last time they were together, Rodgers had 37 touchdowns, four interceptions. He also led the NFL in total QBR in 2021, won his second straight MVP. So Mina, Rodgers, and Hackett together again. Will we see more of the same? Well, Jets fans certainly hope so. I think yeah. it's worth noting that Matt LaFleur, who we just spent the last segment raving about, was calling plays in Green Bay. Um, and that we don't really know what this offense is going to look like. There's the assumption that it's going to look like the Packers, but by the end of Rodgers' tenure with the Packers, he was complaining about some of the things they did on offense um, with the pre-snap motion, you remember, and Dan alluded to the under-center play action. So I will be curious to see Nathaniel Hackett. You've got a great quarterback, really exciting skill players. How are you manufacturing misdirection? How are you getting making this run game work with Brees Hall back in the mix? Does it look different from how it looked in Green Bay? Well, let's go to Denver, where it was a season to forget for Russell Wilson and the Broncos offense under the aforementioned Nathaniel Hackett. They averaged the fewest points per game in the NFL and also finished last on third down, converting just 29% of the time. So, Dan, what will Sean Payton bring to the Broncos' offense to turn this thing around for Wilson? Uh, things that look the same. Mm. And, and I don't mean the same of last year. I, I'm, I'm a Nathaniel Hackett fan, yeah. but one of my big complaints last year scheme-wise was they would call run plays, 
but there would no, be no either pass or play action pass action that looked like that run play. Mm-hmm. Sean Payton will bring that. It'll do two things. Number one, it will show protection. We talk about it all the time. That'll slow defensive lines down. And then number two, it will create bigger windows, yeah. both vertically and horizontally, for Russ to have that conviction and confidence to push the ball back downfield. It's not now or never for Russ because of the contract and his already made legacy, but a huge year ahead for Russell Wilson totally. to prove some naysayers wrong. Elsewhere in the AFC West, Justin Herbert completed his third season, which included a lot of checkdowns in the Chargers offense. How about this? He had the third shortest average pass distance in the league in 2022, ahead of only Daniel Jones and Matt Ryan, at least in this context, not the company you want to keep. So, Swagoo, does the new OC, Kellen Moore, change that for the Chargers offense this season? I believe he does. I believe he schemes more explosives instead of relying on Justin Herbert's arm to push the ball 60 yards downfield and consider that a big play. Obviously, when you look at what we've talked about in the past with Justin Herbert, when Lombardi was there as the OC, was getting him on the move Mm. and letting him create outside of the pocket. I think he's phenomenal when he's on the move and you create more explosive. The one thing that Kellen Moore did well um, in Dallas was scheme up down the field throws. We talked about CD cross middle of the field. We talked about a lot of those over routes. So I think he'll have that opportunity with the big receivers that he has at his disposal. And then just getting Justin Herbert in a more creative situation and not relying on his arm as much as moving him around and giving them some easy deep throws. I think a potential career year is on the way. There are also changes to the offense in Baltimore where Todd Munkin takes over as the coordinator for Lamar Jackson. Baltimore's identity identity was in the run game under previous OC Greg Roman. They ran by design the second highest percents in the league over the past four seasons. So Todd Munkin takes over. He comes from Georgia most recently, Dan. What's a Todd Munkin offense look like? Well, Lamar will get to play quarterback. Okay, what do you mean by that? That's like the simplest thing. I I really believe in Greg Roman. This is – it worked. He was was a playmaker and he was an athlete, right? Yep. Right now, under Todd Munkin, they're going to get Lamar at the line of scrimmage, and he's going to have the opportunity to uh, pre-snap control, change protection at the line of scrimmage, slide the offensive line one way or the other. He didn't have that under Greg Roman. He's going to be able to control motions. Hey, bring this guy across, and maybe you could be a part of the protection. He's going to have the opportunity to change pass concepts at the line of scrimmage. Todd Munkin is all about empowering the quarterback at the line of scrimmage, giving him all the information that he needs, and then giving him the freedom to do what he believes is the best for that play. Hmm. And then the second aspect, and and I say this with respect, it'll look a lot like Josh McDaniels in New England. And that's why all these pieces matter. I'm going to create all these different potential options. Mm -hmm. Lamar, find the right one. And then allow that guy to go earn his paycheck. And so that's why the the Zay Flowers and the Rashad Batemans and the Mark Andrews and and the OBJs and the pass-catching backs that they have, the Olivers at tight ends, the likelies, Mm -hmm. all those Options are now going to be on the table for Lamar, and I don't think that was ever the case for him under Greg Roman when it comes to their pass game. Yeah. I am really excited to see the expanded passing game, and I am excited to see what that passing game does for the running game. Um, So since 2019, Lamar's first year as a starter, when the Ravens have run into light boxes, meaning six or fewer defenders, they have been the most efficient rushing attack in football by a good deal. 0.19 EPA per play. To put that in perspective, the best offense in the NFL last year, the Chiefs, averaged 0.17, both Mm. rushing and passing. 
So it is a killer. Yeah. The problem is they rarely got to do it because defenses stacked the box against them all the time because they knew they were going to run because they were in heavy personnel and had such a high designed rush percentage. Now, if you stack the box against this team, they can punish you. Yeah. You're compromised one way or another, and I think it's going to make the run game even more deadly as a result. Well, I consistently have flashbacks of Mark Andrews being the ex-receiver in a big-time game <laughs> because you're just trying to figure out how the hell to get him the ball. That is no longer the issue, and Dan alluded to it. Where if these guys are healthy, when you start talking about Odell Beckham Jr. and you talk about Rashad Bateman and Zay Flowers coming in, and not only that, I think one thing that that really makes people excited about Todd Munkin coming in is how that affects what Mark Andrews already is. Mark Andrews was surviving in a jungle where everybody knew mm. he was the prey and they couldn't stop him. So now you get more free access with a top three tight end in the league. You get more things schemed up. And, and the good thing about what Todd Munkin is doing, he just left Georgia with a, a prolific tight end, ran two tight end systems as well, but also had those pieces on the outside. I think this is going to be a prolific, prolific offense with Lamar Jackson. That's why when you said D-hop to the Baltimore Ravens, I agree with you as far as the Super Bowl opportunity, yeah, D.O. I think guys like the – it's going to be about who who are you, like who do we have, and what do they do well. Mm. He's, he's not going to be a coach mm -hmm. that tries to take, you know, uh, um, yes. a player like Mark Andrews and go, hey, we're just going to have you run shallow routes. And he's not going to take a player like Zay, Zay Flowers and only give him flats. Like yeah. he's going to find these guys. What do they excel in? Now it's my job – to make sure I'm constantly putting those guys in the places where that high-level skill is always what they do in those moments. Yeah, it's funny. You know, coaching is very complicated yeah. in a lot of ways. But at its core, shouldn't coaching be identifying what your players do well and maximizing 100%. that as frequently as you can? 100%. All right, we do have time for one more thing here on NFL Live, and this is a good one. Big shout-out to the Westport U9 Gold Soccer Look at Team. Him. That includes Lenny Orlovsky. Yes. That's right. Man, let's go. Dan's daughter. Undefeated Bottom season. Left. Lenny. 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 That's, that's Lenny all the way on the left. That's the <laughs> Westport U9 gold. They went undefeated. That, that, that group of girls is so hey, good. Swagoo. Did you hear what she said in her, uh, her post-match press in conference? The family yeah, I was going to say. In her she press conference after the game, she no said, question. I'm just glad Best I got athlete. my mom's genetics. Right, Swagoo? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Shout out to T. Best athlete in the house. A young Mia Ham in the making, baby. Let's, Let's get it, Let's go, North Please Carolina. Get your scholarship <laughs> offer on the table today. NFL <laughs> Live is back tomorrow. A reminder, 19 more teams in mandatory mini games. Look at Lenny! Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.